Yes, welcome in. It is a Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Thursday is going along just fine so far. We've got a lot of football to talk about, mainly of the Sooner variety, of course, as Oklahoma gets ready for a matchup with Kent State 6 o'clock Saturday night down in Norman. Pay-per-view, or not pay-per-view, it's ESPN+. Plus. See, I'm still thinking about the old pay-per-view days. I guess in a roundabout way, it is still a pay-per-view because you have to have that subscription to ESPN+. Plus, But that's what you need to be thinking about, again, if you're going to watch the game coming up on this Saturday night with the Sooners a 32.5-point favorite against the Golden Flashes of Kent State. I am here today at the Cleveland County Free Fair off Robinson Street, right across the street from the hospital and Brahms. Yes, free is a great word. Freedom is a great concept, and free is a great word. We're at the Cleveland County Free Fair. All kinds of activities out here. You can come out and enjoy yourself. Uh, it runs all the way through Sunday. Tonight they've got some live music as well. The John Arnold Band, a great uh, Norman bass band, will be on the uh, main stage from 7 to 9.30. We just saw the John Arnold Band at uh, Toby Keith's place, Hollywood Corners, um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, they always put on a good show. And uh, they'll be on the uh, main stage tonight here at the Cleveland County Free Fair, 615 East Robinson Street in Norman. Parker Thune, how are we doing on this Thursday? Doing fantastic, Steely. And you mentioned seeing the John Arnold Band a couple weeks ago. I'm looking forward to seeing the Jackson Arnold Band this weekend. There you go. As the Sooners Not, host that's a segue several, right there. several big-time visitors. So the Jackson Arnold Band is going to be rolling into Norman this Saturday evening. That should be quite a time. Hopefully he can uh, recruit some new members to that band, and we can get a bunch of uh, new members to the uh, band that is the Sooners 2023 recruiting class, currently fifth in the country in the 247 uh, national rankings. And, uh, again, big guests coming in this weekend, Peyton Bowen, Jordan, Bernard, uh, Jordan Renaud. Uh, this could be a huge weekend for Oklahoma how does this weekend stack up with the other big uh, weekend get-togethers the Sooners have had thus far? I think in terms of uncommitted prospects, it is the biggest weekend Oklahoma will have all fall because you look ahead, you're going to get to Celia Kana on campus on October 15th. DJ Hicks, assuming he's still uncommitted at that point, well, I suppose one way or another, regardless of whether he's committed or not, he's going to be back to Norman for an official visit on November 14th. 14th, right? That's the day of Bedlam. Yes, I believe so. But uh, as has been reported by my colleague Brandon Drum over at OUinsider.com, it does not look right now like DJ Hicks is going to make it in this weekend. But one of the guy who is, and it's a guy we've talked about quite a bit on this show and on Locked In, Steely, the other Denton Geyer Wildcat, four-star defensive back Ryan Yates, Currently committed to LSU. So, the whole Geyer crew is in town this weekend, as is Jordan Renaud. Caden Green's going to show up. Heath Ozida's going to show up. The Sooners are bringing in several of their key commits in this 2023 class to try and close on not just Renaud, but Bowen and Yates as well. So, this, this really is a pivotal Saturday in terms of visitors for Oklahoma. You know, the uh, the last big uh, event they had, there was so much optimism because coming out of that weekend, 
there was a thought again that the Sooners again, uh, Anthony Evans, they would eventually get Anthony Evans and Makari Vickers. They got both of those kids recently. Anthony Evans, a little flirtation with Florida. They got really serious, but he, uh, ended up picking Oklahoma. And uh, DJ Hicks was on that list. Colton Vosick was one uh, that was on that list, too, and he ended up committing. There was one other guy on that list that Oklahoma felt really good about uh, that you guys felt good about, and I'm trying to remember it. Maybe it was Jordan Renaud uh, and DJ Hicks, of course, uh, on that list. So uh, still some work to be done for Oklahoma, but this could be, again, uh, I think you're, uh, you're basically in the fourth quarter of recruiting right now. Um, and uh, for the Sooners, if they can finish strong, man, this could be. It's already a really good class. It's a, it's an excellent class already, but it has the uh, opportunity, Parker, to turn into a historic class for OU. It really does, Steely, and it all comes down to what you can do with these last six, seven targets that are still on the board. Look, there's a chance, and obviously it's kind of a dreamland scenario. This is all the stars aligning. But there's a chance you get three of your uncommitted targets all pledged this weekend in Jordan Renaud, Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates. From there, your attention turns to the big forthcoming decision from DJ Hicks. And, of course, you have Malachi Coleman. You have Tessilia Kana. And that's pretty much it. That would bring Oklahoma's class, in theory, to 28 commits. And that is one whale of a class. That Now the Sooners could still tack on another addition or two, maybe a guy like Marcus Deal. But if those are the 28 guys you bring in, if you close out this class with Bowen, Yates, Hicks, Akana, Coleman, and Jordan Renaud, you may be in contention. You may be in contention for the number one class. It's a long shot because it still looks like Alabama's going to end up getting Keon Keeley, which would kind of give them an insurmountable lead. But either way, Steely, you are definitively looking at a top three class for Oklahoma if this weekend goes according to plan. And there's a very good chance that by the end of it all, they have the number two class in America, second only to Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah, and, and that would be amazing. And again, think about this, uh, 25 years down the line, uh, you're going to be thinking even a decade down the line, man, remember the how important, because this is one of the most important recruiting classes Oklahoma's ever had. Last last year, the job that Brent and his staff did, keeping that class together when it could have gone into absolute ruin, uh, Bob Stoops had a big hand in that. Cale Gundy had a big hand in that. They were able to keep that class together and salvage that class. And then to build the class they're building right now, as you mentioned, if you get Bowen, if you get Yates, you get Renaud, you get Hicks, you get Akana, Coleman, I mean, we're talking about running the table here down the stretch, and you probably won't be able to run the table, but they can get pretty close, it looks like, based on what everybody's talking about uh, behind the scenes. Then you were talking about, remember how important that class was with Oklahoma going into the SEC. They had to get better on the defensive side of the football. They are killing it with the defensive recruits already, and it's about to get a lot better. Uh, That's why this is going to be one of the most historically significant classes in Oklahoma football history because of where you're headed, uh, because of the coaching change, and because of the way you're building your class. It's not filled with all offensive superstars and maybe here's here's one four-star, maybe a couple four-stars on the defensive side of the ball. This is a balanced class that is setting Oklahoma up for an unbelievable future. 
That's really what it boils down to, Steely. It's about putting the building blocks in place to be able to successfully transition to the SEC. And look, we're still kind of unclear as to when the SEC move is happening. Obviously, it's trending toward 2023 or 2024 as the date where Oklahoma makes that transition. One way or another, you're getting close to crunch time. And you're getting close to the point where you're going to have to start bringing in some dudes that are capable of going toe-to-toe with the best of the best in the SEC across the board positionally and holding their own. And there are a lot of guys in this class already for Oklahoma. You look at the likes of, obviously it starts with Jackson Arnold at the quarterback position, the Sooners five-star signal caller out of Denton Geyer. But P.J. out of Barre is an instant impact guy. Makari Vickers is an instant impact guy. Jacoby Johnson offers so much in terms of athleticism and versatility. Jaquay's Petaway and Anthony Evans have speed on speed on speed. And Samuel Masigo, as well as Colton Vosick out of the state of Texas, those two, a couple of the fastest rising prospects in America who really have a chance to punctuate their rise with strong senior years. So this is already a phenomenal class for Oklahoma. And when you're talking about the building blocks of a program that can successfully transition to the SEC, there are a lot of building blocks already in place. Now the question becomes, can you really pour the gravy on top by adding guys like DJ Hicks and Peyton Bowen and Malachi Coleman, guys who are just going to all the more contribute to that effort as you get ready for SEC play? Yeah, and and then you look at guys, again, like uh, Phil Pachotti, like Caleb Spencer, who, you know, when people were talking about, oh, three-star, you got another commitment over the weekend. Well, Caleb Spencer is going to get a four-star, and uh, they're talking about him like perhaps he could be a Royal Williams-type guy uh, down the road. He's only going to get better. Uh, it looks like so this this class again and not every uh, one of these high recruits always pans out and wins the Butkus or the Lombardi or the Heisman or the Bolitnikoff but you know what when you get that kind of a haul when you've got that many four and five stars and some some three stars that are going to develop into four stars it certainly looks like for Oklahoma uh, you're in really good shape with your recruiting class in your future all right I am here at the Cleveland County Free Fair over here on uh, Robinson Street, 615 East Robinson Street. Uh, they've got all kinds of stuff out here. Petting Zoo open. They've got the uh, weenie dog races happening. All kinds of vendors out here. Great food, uh, great uh, ice cream out here that I've got my eye on right when I leave. Uh, and all kinds of things happening. Tonight we've got a great local band, the John Arnold Band. Normanites know all about John Arnold and his band. They'll put on a great show tonight, 7 to 9.30, here at the Cleveland County Free Fair. want to thank Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Do a great job in any heating and air need that you need to have met. They will meet it for you, just like Tim always met the challenge when he had to kick one of those big field goals for the Sooners back in the day. His company will do the same thing for you. Come through in the clutch, 405-579-3113. That is 405 405- 579-3113. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We're coming back. We'll hear from Brent Venables and Ryan Leaf, who is doing the ESPN Plus broadcast uh, Saturday night. We'll hear what he has to say about the Sooner offense. All that coming up next. 
It is a Thursday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. And again, uh, I'm out here at the Cleveland County Free Fair off Robinson Street, 615 East Robinson Street. And uh, John Arnold Band on the stage tonight from 7 to 930. That'll be uh, a fun deal. They always put on a good show, and uh, they've got all kinds of activities out here for you. Free is a great word. And again, uh, you don't have to pay anything to get in, and uh, you've got all kinds of activities out here. Livestock shows, of course. Uh, they have uh, stick horse races. They have uh, celebrity cow milking. Now that's happening uh, coming up this weekend. You're not you're not involved in these celebrity cow milking, are you, Parker? I can't say that I have either a been a celebrity or b milked a cow. So no, I I. I am not. Okay. That is not in my wheelhouse in the slightest. Uh, now you're you're already a celebrity. You're you're definitely a celebrity, a regional radio celebrity. But um, I my dad grew up on a farm, best dad ever, and uh, you know they had to milk the cows back in the day. I I, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't touch those things. No way. You can call me a city slicker if you want, because I am. But. Uh, I couldn't do it. So other celebrities will be out here milking these cows. Uh, the wiener dog races, I had uh, a an, an, um, dachshund back in the day. It was a piebald dachshund uh, named Scotty Cameron after the, uh, you know, the putter aficionado, the putter designer. And uh, Scotty Cameron was very fast, extremely fast. So he was entered in a wiener dog race up in Oklahoma City. And I thought, he's going to be the, this dog is going to be the Usain Bolt of dachshunds. There's no doubt. Well, what they do is they have them in, you know, behind a gate, and then they raise the gates, and then they take off. Well, they raise the gates. Scotty Cameron stayed at the starting line for about two, maybe three seconds. Came back, nearly won the race, but initially was looking like, what are we doing here? What is this? Oh, they're running, and then nearly caught up and won. But it was one of the great disappointments of my uh, – doggy training life that scotty cameron did not get out of the blocks and win that race and ended up finishing like fourth so there you go all right brent venables sooner coach a victorious debut last week against utep 45 to 13 here is what brent had to say the other day about what to build on for oklahoma after game one it was a start for every just for our team for this season for 128 for our defense for our offense for our kicking game you know, and we knew that going in that regardless of what happens, this is going to be a start. This is whether it's a depth chart or or it's a result. This is where we're at, and and this is what we got to do moving forward. And the expectation is that there's again a focus of daily improvement. Uh, recognize the good. Um, focus on what wasn't good and how it needs to improve and how we could be better. And whether again, it's all the things that uh, lead to you know, a bad play or a bad series, you know, to happen. So uh, penalties is one, right, and um, a positioning is another. But there's a ton that was really good. You know, I thought we were aggressive. Uh, I thought our guys played with confidence and assuredness, and that comes from preparation. You know, there's a level of anticipation because of uh, a lot of preparation that goes into it. And so I don't think that our guys were caught off guard with anything that they saw. And um, so that was pleasing. 
All right, Brent getting ready for game two coming up Saturday night. Oklahoma heavy favorite, 32.5 point uh, favorite against uh, the Golden Flashes of Kent State coming up this weekend. What did you think of uh, Dylan Gabriel's first outing in a Sooner uniform last weekend? I think, look, it was not a perfect first outing. It left a little something to be desired. There were a couple of balls that he would have liked to have had back, and uh, he admitted that to us in post-practice availability sessions on Tuesday night. He said, look, uh, there's a lot to work on, and I'm going to work on it. But all in all, look, he went 15 for 23, 223 yards, and a pair of touchdown passes. That's a pretty decent day at the office, and when you throw in what he did on the ground, including the first touchdown of the season via that 12-yard run, it was a fine day for Dylan Gabriel. It was not an elite day, but the refreshing thing is I don't know that Dylan Gabriel is going to need to be elite week in, week out to win Oklahoma football games. I think there will certainly be games where we see Dylan Gabriel go off. There will be a couple instances where he blows through that 300-yard barrier, throws for four or five touchdowns, and has an incredibly efficient day through the air and route to a completion percentage of 75-80%. But if this defense... Yeah, it could happen this weekend. Yeah, exactly. It, but if this defense is what we expect it to be in 2022, we're not going to need to see those types of outings from Gabriel week in, week out, the way that the Sooners needed them from Kyler Murray back in 2018. Right. So I think... Gabriel is a smart enough guy, and he's a devoted enough guy that he's going to continue to work out the kinks in practice over the next week, week and a half, as you get ready for Nebraska in Lincoln. But I have full confidence that by the time conference play rolls around, a lot of those missed throws that we saw from Dylan Gabriel in week one, those throws are going to get made by the time the Sooners face off with Kansas State, TCU, Texas, and get rolling in Big 12 play. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is probably first-game jitters playing at a, uh, a program as prestigious as Oklahoma, you know, when you, you played at UCF. And, again, UCF's got a good program, but it's not Oklahoma. And all of a sudden, I think that first uh, pass of the game, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at, oh, we're about to score in the first play. And, uh, you know, that pass wasn't where it needed to be. Made a couple errant throws. But kind of like the Sooners' overall team effort, I thought it was a solid start for Dylan Gabriel. Not spectacular. But I like his work ethic. I like his leadership. As you said, he doesn't have to be a superstar. If this defense continues to play well and they can run the football, have balance on offense, uh, it looks like they're going to be a better tackling team. Special teams look pretty solid so far. Uh, then again, he doesn't have to be Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and save the day. I think he'll have plenty of other options uh, to help him get that done on the offensive side of the ball. Here is what Ryan Leaf said on with Chris Plank the other day on the Plank Show. Ryan Leaf, former NFL quarterback, uh, great player at Washington State, you know, of his personal issues, which he's uh, overcome. Um, you know, it's that's been pretty impressive. He's had a couple other issues, but Ryan Leaf, again, trying to get his life back together. And he's doing the uh, color an- analysis for the ESPN Plus broadcast on Saturday night. And uh, on with Plank the other day, Ryan Leaf said he, he really likes Dylan Gabriel in this Jeff Levy offense. Technical difficulties. One moment, Ryan Sealy. Le- I have okay. I have Ryan Leaf has been. He, here we go. Here's Ryan Leaf on uh, Dylan Gabriel again in this offense. With what Jeff, 
Jeff Levy does is he, he simplifies it for his quarterback, right? Same thing with Matt Corral a year ago. What he does is when he goes that fast, you are going to get a vanilla defense. You're not going to be able to see a lot of schemes. So you break it down and make it more simple for the quarterback and what he sees. So he's not overthinking. Hmm. I think a lot of times when you are taking your time at the line of scrimmage, that gives the defense an opportunity to show you something pre-snap and then be something com- completely opposite post-snap, which gives you some problems. When you're going that fast, defenses can't be as exotic as they want to be. And therefore, it simplifies things for Dylan Gabriel. He sees things more clearly and executes better, I believe. Yeah, I like that point of view, too, because we always talk about, well, when you run that many plays, you're going to tire out the defense and uh, they don't have time to get lined up. But again, they really don't have the time to make the calls to change up. Uh, you know, some defensive calls, Parker. So, again, if the Sooners, and, and look, in that first quarter, they were in a great rhythm. They had a couple three and outs, lost some momentum in the second quarter. But if they, they can continue to play at the pace they were playing at and that rhythm they had uh, Saturday in the first quarter, they're going to cause a lot of issues with that tempo. Yes, they will. And, you know, the other side of the coin is, well, if you play so quickly on offense, you're going to tire out your own defense because they're going to be on the field so often. But the Sooners have enough defensive depth where I don't think that is a preeminent concern. And moreover, as you heard Ryan Leaf say, you make things a lot easier for your quarterback in terms of processing when you're running with tempo because the defense can't get super intricate with the schemes and the play calls that they're dialing up. So the Sooners are going to knife through Big 12 defenses, if they can play with that kind of tempo and Dylan Gabriel can keep the ball out of harm's way. As long as you're scoring points, Steely, I have full faith that Brent Venable's defense is going to hold up their end of the bargain. So as long as Jeff Levy's offense is scoring points, the Sooners are going to win a lot of football games. And I'm really not concerned about how the offensive tempo is going to affect the Oklahoma defense because we're talking about a unit coached by Brent Venables, the greatest defensive mind in college football. Not a concern to me. All right, as we get ready for a break, let me tell you about my friends at Riverwind Casino and why they really are simply the best. They have the best promotions. They have the best bars and dining. They've got the best concerts. They have the best of everything at Riverwind Casino. They just celebrated their 16th anniversary. Got some renovations going on in the facility right now. So if you're looking for one of your favorite electronic gaming machines over there, and again, they have over 2,800 of them, you might find them in the Showplace Theater. You might find them. Uh, at the River Lounge right now. They also have gaming in the Skybridge area right now while they're doing some renovations to make Riverwind Casino even better. They had a tremendous Beats and Bites summer concert series again. Uh, great time outdoors. It won't be too long before the Showplace Theater. We'll be rocking with some great music, some great acts uh, coming back here in the very near future. So Riverwind Casino, always a great destination. Great food options, the food court, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, and the River Buffet with a great steak night on Friday, a tremendous seafood buffet Saturday night, and a spectacular brunch on Sunday. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, break time. When we get back, we'll talk Sooner football with Jesse Crittenden. Norman Transcript Sports Editor will join us on the Riverwind Jackpot Line when we get back here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We are back, Mike Steely. 
Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Uh, Queen Elizabeth just passed uh, within the last couple minutes, 96 years old. Feels like a lot of history uh, passed with the Queen. Wow, 96 years old. You think about, uh, you know, what Britain was going through with uh, World War II and the uh, the bombings uh, by the Nazis and everything to go through all of that and uh, reign as long as she did, um, you know, that's uh, that's a lot of history that's gone. So rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth passing away uh, moments ago at the age of 96. Jesse Crittenden joining us, Norman Transcript, sports editor on the Riverwind Casino hotline. And, uh, Jesse, what were your impressions of the Sooners' uh, first performance last weekend? I mean, Honestly, I think it. I think it was. I mean, it was a pretty solid opener overall. Even if the if the game was a, a little bit boring outside of uh, outside of that second quarter where you know Kent State got it to twenty one ten. But I mean, I think that was a. I think that's a good thing. I think. I think Oklahoma came in as as heavy favorites and and for the most part took care of business on both sides of the ball. It was especially compared to the uh, you know the issues in last year's opener against Tulane. I, I think. I think OU fans were were pretty happy to see a, a game that was put out of reach pretty pretty early. So and I, and I think both sides of the ball had something to do with that. So uh, certainly not perfect on either side of the ball. Certainly things to clean up. But I think overall, you know, if you're an OU fan, you'll you'll take a 32 point win uh, any day. How much stock do you put into the performance that we saw from Braden Willis, Jesse? Because uh, it's pretty obvious he's going to be the guy at that position for Oklahoma and finally gets the opportunity to step out of the shadow of guys like Lee Morris, Austin Stogner, Jeremiah Hall, those to whom he has played second fiddle over the course of his time at Oklahoma. But big, big step for Willis towards what has the opportunity to be a career year with that performance on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. It really didn't surprise me that much at all. I thought he was a guy that, you know, coming in could could really have a big impact. And I think he's got a couple of things going for him. For, for one, he's been around the program for so long at this point. He, he adds a veteran presence that really, uh, you know, outside of him, OU doesn't have much of that on either side of the ball, at least not quite to, you know, how long, you know, his his kind of veteran presence that he brings. And two, he, he's been around the program and seen – different guys in that position. I mean, especially, you know, Jeremiah Hall last year. I think he's a guy that knows what he needs to do in this offense, knows how to find, you know, ways that he can shine. And I think he's he's grown comfortable in Jeff Levy's offense. I think he knows what's expected of him. He knows what he needs to bring on and off the field. So, I mean, I think, you know, is he going to score two touchdowns every game? You know, probably not. But, I mean, I think he's a guy that could have – I mean – I think he could do more than just catch a couple passes a game. I think he could be a real threat in this offense as a as a receiver, and and, and so it didn't surprise me at all to to see his performance last week. All right, Jesse Crittenden, our guest, uh, Norman Transcript Sports Editor. As we get ready for the Sooners and UTEP coming up Saturday, we will be on the air at noon with our pregame show from the. Uh, Hertz Donuts uh, parking lot and from Balfour on Saturday, taking you up to Oklahoma and the Golden Flashes. Offensive line, I've heard, uh, you know, a little bit of disappointment from the uh, Sooner fans on the O-line after game one. It's clearly it's very early, but what was your take on the O-line play? Yeah, I thought it was okay for the most part. I think, you know, I think that's that's definitely a position group that's going to have a lot of eyes on it, right, with with the departures from last year, 
um, with a lot of the newness on the offense. I mean, you, you've got some guys that, you know, that, that played last year, but for the most part, it's, you know, a lot of it's a new group of guys that haven't played a ton together. Um, you've had some guys that had to switch positions around, and especially with, um, you know, with Wanye Morris out last week, uh, kind of at the last minute, you had to do some um, some switches, you know, to, to get guys into place. Tyler Guyton got his first start last week um, at OU. So, I mean, I think – I certainly don't think it was perfect, and I think those two three-and-outs in the second quarter, you know, was it was an example of how, you know, this – I think this group is going to be kind of a work in progress for most of the year. And I mean, they gave up two sacks, but – um, you know, the team was still able to run the ball pretty effectively. And, and, and Dylan Gabriel, I think, for the most part, you know, had, had some time to throw uh, in that first half in the third quarter. So it uh, definitely wasn't per- perfect. I think that's going to be a work-in-progress group. But, I mean, I, I don't think it was – I mean, I think there were some positives to take away from it overall. How do you feel about the trajectory of this defensive line and specifically the pass rush, Jesse? Look at the performance from Reggie Grimes, two-and-a-half sacks. That's a career high. The emergence of R. Mason Thomas, who's already supplanted Clayton Smith and appears to be neck-and-neck neck with Marcus Stripling in terms of being that stand-up edge guy as a true freshman. Uh, overall, what are your thoughts on defensive line slash pass rush right now for Oklahoma after one game? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the pass rush and, you know, that front seven, specifically that defensive line, I mean, I think that was, I think that was the, the best performing group um, on either side of the ball uh, last week. Not, I mean, you, you get the nine tackles for loss, the six sacks, uh, you know, they had 10 quarterback hurries. And it's not just that they were able to, you know, get, pressure in the backfield i mean they gave up negative 19 yards rushing in that first half it's not just getting in the backfield but i think it's the way they did it you see reggie grimes um have that kind of impact right away i mean he's the, he's a guy that has been talked up a lot since the spring he really stepped up as a leader um after kind of the chaos at the end of last year and so i think to see him have that kind of impact and and you mentioned our mason thomas a young guy uh, that, that teammates and coaches have been raving about to see clearly the, the potential he has and to see Ethan Downs, you know, have a solid, uh, you know, a solid game on the other side of the defensive line. I mean, I, I think obviously it's one game. It's UTEP. They're going to be tested. They're going to face better offensive lines. But I, I think that was the best performing uh, group. I think I think their pass rush uh, and run defense was, was the best part of the day on either side of the ball. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's the group you've got to feel really, really good about you know, going forward. Feels like, Jesse, so far this staff, uh, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not saying obviously they're going to have their uh, their challenges, you know, this season. Uh, games are going to get tougher. But uh, aside from the, the Kale Gundy situation, everything has gone very smoothly. When you talk about the opener, again, I'm not saying it was the most uh, dominant performance I've ever seen by an Oklahoma football team, but it was pretty clean for an opening game. Uh, with a with a new defense and a new offense and a new coaching staff and a lot of new players, plus with what's going on re- with recruiting right now, they're already killing it. Number five class in the country, and it looks like they're moving on up. I mean, uh, so far what this staff has done, it seems like a grand slam in just about every aspect. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing you take away from you know from an on field perspective last week is. It feels like both both units, both the offense and the defense, already kind of have an identity. I mean, you know this offense is going to come out, and you saw that tempo in the first quarter. 
that's clear. That's what that that's the goal of that offense. And they may not be able to always run that fast every single possession, but that is clearly clearly the identity. And defensively, uh, you know, I, I think there were a, a few lapses in the secondary. I think that's definitely going to be a work in progress group uh, with those defensive backs. But you clearly got uh, a run defense and a, and a pass rush that's already. Uh, having an impact, and I think that's going to be kind of what they hang their hat on. So I think considering the new staff, considering a lot of the new players and moving you know different pieces around the new offensive and defensive systems, I, I think you. Cl- I mean, there's clearly already an identity being formed, and, and I think that's a testament to uh, this coaching staff. And, and now it's about you know seeing if you can maintain that as the games get harder. Jesse, we appreciate it. We will talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, joining us here on uh, The Rep, the home of Sooner fans on a Thursday. Our pregame show again on uh, Saturday begins right at noon. Noon for pregame and the plan, as far as we know, right, Parker, it's still the Parker Thune-Jackson Arnold show, right? That's right. That's what it will be. Uh, And potentially not just Jackson Arnold, but the Jackson Arnold band because uh, I know Caden Green's planning on stopping by. We'll see if we can get Heath Ozida to swing by as well. Uh, Still trying to figure out who all is going to be, not just in town this weekend, but in town that early from that 12-2 to window. So we'll see what we can scrounge up one way or another. Yes, it is the Parker Thune-Jackson-Arnold Law Firm coming your way from 12-2 to on Saturday at minimum. That'll be cool. You guys will have a great turnout again noon over at the Hertz Donuts parking lot. We will also be on location at our Campus Corner home away from home uh, for years and years, Balfour. So make sure and come see us both places. We met a lot of uh, our uh, listeners, new listeners, uh, especially last week. We'd love to see you roll out and come say hello at both locations on Saturday. All right, got to get to a break. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. Presented this hour by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Give Tim Lasher and his great company a call. Any AC work you need done right now, 405-579-3113. We'll talk opening night in the NFL. We'll do it next here on The Ref. Okay, final segment of the first hour here on uh, Steel Man and Thune, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. On a Thursday, I am out at the Cleveland County Free Fair. A lot of activities out here. A lot of goodies out here. You've got livestock shows. You have the weenie dog races coming up. You've got the John Arnold Band, great local band, on stage tonight from 7 to 9.30. Always a lot of activities, always entertainment out here. And, again, it's the Cleveland County Free Fair. Uh, great food out here as well. Come on out and check out everything here on Robinson Street, 615 East Robinson Street here in Norman, right over at the Cleveland County Fairgrounds. All right, are you uh, are you ready to watch some NFL football tonight? Are you are you going out to like Denton to watch Jackson Arnold tonight? Are you going to be watching NFL? You got the Rams hosting Buffalo tonight, Thursday night football, season opener for the National Football League, seven twenty on NBC. Is that what's on your schedule tonight? Well, as a general rule of thumb, Steely, I am not free on any Thursday night or any Friday night throughout the entire fall. I'm going to be down in Justin, Texas, this evening. Checking out Alito linebacker Devon Keys, a top Oklahoma target in the class of 2024. And then tomorrow I'll be making the trek to Kansas City again. 
to watch five-star edge commit P.J. Adabare in action. So that is the next two evenings Dude, of the live need, of Parker you, Thune. They, they should just have uh, somebody like in the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce just should have a bed and breakfast for you or something that they pay for because you were like a part-time resident of Kansas City, it seems like. Well, and you keep in, keep in mind here that the Sooners have Caden Green committed from Lee Summit North. And he's got two teammates, of course, Williams Nwaneri, four-star 2024 defensive lineman, and Isaiah Mosey, four-star 2025 wide receiver. I've made the joke with Caden before that I'm just basically going to have to be a Lee's Summit North beat reporter over the next few years because uh, those aren't the only guys that OU will be after. I wouldn't anticipate from that school. It's going to produce a lot of P5 talent over the next few years. So, uh, yes, I am in Kansas City a lot. Heck, I am all over the place a lot. I'm still waiting for my car deal. Still waiting, Steely. The NIL has not come through for me yet. I mean, T. Rowe's got a car deal, right? Uh, Parker Thune should get a car deal. Well, right? T. No Rowe is the voice as many of the miles as you travel. I am not. So. Well, that's right. But I'm just saying, I mean, you you are an up-and-coming uh, five-star is what you are, though. So, uh, again, uh, NFL tonight, Buffalo at the Rams. Uh, that game's on NBC. And, again, now Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark on the call because you've got Al Michaels uh, doing the prime video Thursday night games. The, not tonight's game, though. It'll start next Thursday. Al Michaels working with uh, Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, Buffalo, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Rams at SoFi Stadium tonight, 720 on NBC. Baker and the Browns. Yes, the matchup we've been all waiting for. Carolina hosting Cleveland at noon on CBS on Sunday. My wife will watch the entire game. Uh, she was on her phone last night. And, oh, here's Baker's press conference. And she watched the whole press conference. She is a Carolina fan. She's already got her T-shirt. She's already got her cap. She's ready to go watch Baker and the Carolina Panthers try and take down Cleveland in their opener in Charlotte at noon Sunday on CBS. This was Baker at his presser yesterday afternoon and uh, sounded like he was trying to minimize the matchup a little bit. Like I mentioned last week, I think it's a great storyline. Obviously, there's history involved, um, you know, leading up to this week. There's other games in the NFL that guys are playing their former teams. It's just it's the excitement leading up to week one that um, I think is building that anticipation up. But for me, it's the familiarity. Anytime you're playing guys, you know, it makes it just more interesting, more fun. Uh, you get to smack talk a little bit with your buddies that you've been with for a little bit. And uh, you know how to, to poke and prod and get the best out of them. And it's I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Baker, I wanted to ask about just the Oklahoma fans and the way they've sort of followed you around throughout your career. Have you felt the love since getting to Charlotte? And, you know, how many seniors fans have you seen since you've gotten here? Yeah, I think the uh, the one thing they were all grateful for when I went back for the spring game, um, they said they were happy to not be wearing orange again when it came to, like, University of Texas or Oklahoma State. So uh, they, they were happy about that. But that's a fan base that it's always been family. Um, I've always felt the love from them, and that's it's continued to be that way. Does it feel like Baker is owed one from the football guides uh, that Baker needs to win this weekend? I mean, uh, he needs to win. Look, Cleveland's still got a pretty talented roster, but it'll be Baker against Jacoby Brissett. I mean, this is a huge game for Baker, right? I mean, not only from a revenge standpoint, but just getting uh, some momentum rolling there in Charlotte right off the bat would be gigantic. Yeah, this is a game that Carolina should win. 
and should win handily, especially when you look at the discrepancy in the skill level between the starting quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett is a guy that routinely trips and falls into starting gigs. Baker Mayfield is a former number one overall pick who now has a lot to prove as the starting quarterback in Carolina. So uh, I don't know if Baker's necessarily owed one by the football gods. I don't need. I don't know if he'll need the football gods to intervene this weekend in order for Carolina to win this football game. No, I'm expecting Baker to come out guns blazing against his former team, and I'm very much looking forward to see what that looks like. Yeah, and that game again noon on uh, CBS. Like we said, you've got Buffalo and the Rams playing tonight. That's the NBC telecast uh, to start the season. Buffalo actually again a two and a half point favorite in that game against the defending Super Bowl champions. We we heard about Matt Stafford's uh, elbow surgery in the off season. How much will that affect him? Is Cooper Cup going to be you know this unbelievable receiver again? Probably. He's that good. Uh, and can Josh Allen continue to show that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and take even another step? Uh, because, uh, you know, I think it'd be really I, – I, I'm a fan of the Bills. I really am. I like the Bills, and uh, I would love – you know, I, I know we have a lot of Chiefs fans in this market. I get a little Kansas City fatigue, to be honest with you. So uh, I would love to see the Bills um, – win the AFC. That would be fun. And they could uh, assert themselves tonight and make a statement in the first game of the season if they can pull off that victory against the Rams. Dallas Cowboys will play the Sunday night game on NBC against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. We wish Tom Brady and Giselle the very best. Hopefully that relationship will last. We'll see. Okay. We're going to take a break right here, top of the hour. Thank you, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. My bad. Uh, We've got another hour to go here in the home of Sooner fans. The ref, keep it here. Here we are jumping into hour number two here on uh, the home of Sooner fans, Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. I am out here at the Cleveland County Free Fair that is underway. Free is always a great word. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, you can get in for free out here. They've got all kinds of great vendors out here, activities tonight, the uh, great local band. And if you're a Normanite, you know all about the John Arnold Band. They will be on the stage from 7 to 9.30 tonight with some great music for you. It's going to cool down a little bit, obviously, in the evening. You'll have a great time out here at the Cleveland County Free Fair, 615 East Robinson, right here on the Cleveland County Fairgrounds. Our second hour also presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. They'll do a great job for you. You need a car, truck, or SUV, you're looking for a used vehicle, they've got a great selection at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, Exit 72, and that uh, amazing guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. All right, Parker, do we have a Longhorn opener for the Longhorns in Bama? I believe we do. Do we not? Let's roll it. We're back. Alabama might put up video game numbers against Texas coming up this weekend. Got the uh, Longhorn Nation 8-bit opener there for you. Uh, Parker, does it uh, concern you at all? I don't know if concern's the right word, but does it – uh, affect your thinking in any way at all that everybody 
Just about everybody thinks this is going to be just an absolute Bama blowout. No, it doesn't affect my thinking at all. And to be honest, I think the only reason we're having this conversation is because we're talking about Texas and our brains won't let us let go of the abrasive and jarring doomsday thought that maybe just maybe Texas ends up winning this game. If it's Alabama versus, say, South Carolina or Mississippi State, we're like, okay, well, yeah, Alabama's going to roll. Not really worth giving a second thought. But we've talked a lot about this Alabama-Texas game for obvious reasons, but I think more so than anything, the reason why you ask that question, Steely, and it's a valid question, right? but the reason why we ask that question is because we can't bring ourselves to come to terms with the thought of what might happen to the world of college football as we know it if Texas, by hook or by crook, manages to win this football game. Yeah, and believe me, I, I don't think they're going to, but it's you know it's kind of like uh, when you're looking at betting lines and you're trying to make a pick. If the public is so on one side, uh, and that line I think is up to 20 and a half, if I saw correctly this morning, that you know the public usually doesn't know best. But I, I do think the public is aware of what BAM is all about right now and what Texas has been about. BAM has been about domination. Texas has been about underachieving. And we'll see what happens in that game at 11 a.m. coming up Saturday morning at DKR. Uh, Texas hosting Alabama, 11 a.m. on Fox. Steve Sarkeesian says, you know what? We, we, we can't try and just do everything with schemes and try to trick Texas on Saturday. We've just got to go out and play in this one. Here's Sark. They've got a, some really good minds on the defensive side of the ball. I think one thing that, that we have to be careful not doing um, is overanalyzing and overthinking it too much. Um, it's kind of like being a pitcher, man. Sometimes you got to throw your best pitch and, and not throw your fourth or fifth pitch, you know, just because you, you think the guy's going to hit your best pitch. And so uh, we got to be mindful of that, that um, we don't try to overthink it and, and outsmart ourselves. Um, we got we to throw our best pitches and, and see if it's good enough. Inspirational. From Sark right there, Steely. There Texas, you go. Texas has to there play their go. best football. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Well, and look, Texas, that uh, receiver-running back combination of B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy is pretty darn good. We don't know about Quinn Ewers yet. We don't know. Uh, and I know that that Bama defense is super stout and Will Anderson – uh, might would probably be the best player in all of college football right now. And we'll see. They've got injuries. They've had injuries on the offensive line. They're young on the offensive line. That could be an issue. But uh, I think the biggest X factor in this game is can Quinn Ewers play and play well, or will he play scared? Will he have a chance? Uh, because I think he's going to be running for his life a lot on Saturday. I would not. I, I can't fathom being Quinn Ewers heading into this football game and knowing that your offensive line is already piecemeal as it is and then also knowing that you have to face maybe the two best edge rushers in the entire country, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, converging on you from either side. I would be terrified if I were Quinn Ewers. So if Quinn Ewers plays well on Saturday – we're probably all going to have to reckon with the reality that Quinn Ewers might actually be a pretty dang good quarterback. Now, that said, 
Alabama's defense does not simply consist of Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. As always, they are solid on the interior, they are solid in the linebacker core, and they have some outstanding secondary pieces as well. So, nothing is going to come easy for Quinn Ewers. But yes, for Texas to even keep this game competitive, Quinn Ewers is going to have to play the game of his young career. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, Should be a fascinating game. We'll find out a lot about Texas. We already know about Alabama. But uh, 11 a.m. is kick time on Fox, and uh, we'll be talking a lot about that uh, Bama-Texas game during our pregame show Saturday, uh, which starts at noon. We'll be down at the Hertz Donuts uh, parking lot uh, with Parker and Jackson Arnold getting us started uh, from noon to 2, and we'll also be on site at our home away from home for years Balfour University Spirit, Balfour's, uh, of course, the great place where you can get all your great Sooner souvenirs and sportswear. I don't know what it is. How how am I doing radio? I cannot speak today. It's one of those days where I'm not throwing my best pitch today. I, I don't have it, man. I don't have it. You're supposed to speak eloquently on the radio, and I'm doing anything but. So my most humble apologies. By the way, we think that Nick Saban knows everything, right? Pretty much? Sure. He is the king of college football right now. Well, Nick Saban didn't know about horns down. This was an exchange the other day between a reporter and the Alabama head coach. Uh, Clarified this offseason that the horns down hand gesture would be a penalty. Have you addressed that with the team going into this game? What's that? The horns down hand gesture could be a 15-yard penalty. I have not addressed it with the team, but I appreciate you letting me know that. So, you know, we got a lot of other things we need to really worry about. But I think that's a good thing for me to go over with the team, so I appreciate that. (laughs) Classic Nick Saban right there. Come on, Parker, we've got to get a couple horns downs in that game. I mean, do you think? You know, Here's, one Bama player might risk it if Alabama's up 49-10 to 10 or something like that. Would you want to risk it and then trot back to the sideline and meet the wrath and the wrathful gaze of a fuming Nick Saban mm-hmm. who then, yeah, in so many not. words, demands to know why you just cost his team 15 yards via a stupid penalty? Probably not. No. So, and I, I think uh, that message, if Nick Saban gets it across, and it sounds like he, he will now, I don't know how big of a deal it'll be, probably not much, but hey, don't do it. Uh, when Nick Saban says you don't do something, you're probably not going to do it, if you're one of Bama's players. So, again, that game, 11 a.m. on Fox, coming up on Saturday. Um, can Stanford pull some magic against SC this weekend? Because if SC goes in there, to Palo Alto, and wins that game, primetime game, 6.30 ABC, Saturday night. If USC goes out and wins that game by three touchdowns or something, the USC, you know, love fest, which is already, you know, taken off a little bit, um, you know, in terms of the national media, but the Stanford, can they can they pull this off? They're a nine-point underdog against SC. Here's the because thing. Because I would – this would it would make my college football season right off the bat. Here's what you're banking on, Steely. Stanford as a program historically is always good for one upset win per year 
that nobody sees mm-hmm. coming. Yep. Last year it was Oregon. So, is it USC this year? You, you better hope that it is because I, oh man, if USC goes down on Saturday night at the hands of the Stanford Cardinal, I'm just not even going to bother coming in on Monday. And instead, I'm just going to tell Connor Pasby to run the board and just let you laugh for two straight hours. This show is just going to be two consecutive hours of you laughing maniacally at Mule Shoe <laughs> and playing the Mule Noises soundbite over and over. I, you know, here's the deal. If if Stanford wins this game Saturday night, I may not be there either because I may go purchase a quart, maybe about a quart and a half of tequila, and just drink it, drink it straight. Uh, rock so and roll tequila? I, I, it, they're, they're, absolutely. Is there any other brand? Of course, rock and roll tequila. But – uh, I, I I just to me it's a weird deal because you're going to get you know all the game day stuff and all these features on USC and Lincoln Riley's move again. You're going to see more and more of this. It's only going to get worse if SC rolls uh, the Cardinal Saturday night. But doesn't it? It still feels like people nationally that USC is one of those programs that is right up there at the top of the list of teams they want to hate right now yeah emphasis on right now doesn't it feel that way it's they're they're somewhat media darlings but the the average college football fan or the hardcore college football fan who just likes the game they don't want to see usc succeed no they do not no they do not and no one cared about usc for the last five years because they weren't relevant but now i think part of it also has to do with the cowherd effect where people have just become conditioned to hate whatever colin cowherd loves so if there wasn't already enough of a public distaste for Mule Shoe and the way that he does business, now that Colin Cowherd is fangirling over Mule Shoe on a weekly, mm-hmm. if not daily basis on the herd, everyone has kind of adopted USC as the new Miami in college football, the team that they love to hate. That shady weasel must go down and go down hard. I, I would love to see it happen Saturday night. It would be so great. Oh, can you imagine, uh, you know, if Plank does a scoreboard update? You know, let's say it's uh, early fourth quarter or something. Oklahoma should be ahead comfortably. Hopefully uh, there's still people in the stand, students. You know, come on. Um it's going to be, you know, it'll be cooler because of the kickoff time. So hopefully there'll still be a good crowd there. But if he announces, like, you know, uh, third quarter score, Stanford 21, USC 10 or something, that place will absolutely erupt, absolutely go nuts. So let's hope, cross our fingers, that may just happen on Saturday night. Oh, we can USC get a, we and can Stanford get a is the ABC game. Too. Oh, yes. The whole stadium I breaks mean, into a or mule Tebow, shoot what, Whatever. That sack of feces for what he did must pay. No doubt about it. And come on, David Shaw. Come on. Yeah, you're right. It seems like Stanford, uh, and they haven't been, you know, as good as they've been in the past with David Shaw, but they do seem to pull uh, usually an upset a year. It was Oregon last year, right? So um, maybe they can get it done Saturday night. I would absolutely um, – I will attempt a backflip in the studio. No, I won't because that's a stretcher and intensive care. But I'll be very happy if it happens in this matchup. All right, break time right here. 
Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We've got T.J. Eckerts coming up at 12.35 on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Hey, let's get to the text line when we get back. Uh, text us any thought you have right now. Make it brilliant if you can. 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405-651-3439. Coming right back. We're back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. I am uh, out here at the Cleveland County Free Fair today on the uh, Cleveland County Fairgrounds, 615 East Robinson. A lot of activities out here. Uh, This great event will continue through Sunday. You've got some great music with the John Arnold Band tonight on the stage from 7 to 930. They have musical acts Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They've got all kinds of activities, all kinds of uh, food vendors out here. You'll have a great time at the Cleveland County Free Fair. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line. I've been very delinquent. Uh, It's on me, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. So, Parker, let's hit as many as we can. Kendall asks, can the pregame remote be described as something cooler than the parking lot of Hertz Donut? Okay, fine. We will be on historic campus corner at the University of Oklahoma outside of Hertz Donut. Is that better, Kendall? What do we think, Steely? You've got to give people a, yeah, that's good. That's good. You've got to give people a, uh, you know, a uh, landmark where they know where it is because there's really no name like for that it's not like the uh, very switzer memorial parking lot so you've got to give them a visual reference one so they list- kind of know where it is so. one listener asked how does the queen's death affect recruiting <laughs> Jeez, uh i don't know i that's a very good question you ask brent that at the uh, press conference uh, after the game. Uh, you know, that does feel like a lot of history, though, doesn't it? I mean, 96, think about all the way back to World War II and what was going on and uh, when the fate of the free world was very much in question, you know, for a while. And, uh, you know, going through what everybody in Britain had to go through. And, uh, you know, Churchill obviously did a great job leading the, the prime minister, did a great job leading the people through that. And we won! But... You know, how do you feel about British royalty? Do you think that's still a cool tradition, or is it like, well, now why are we still doing this? I I pay no attention to the politics of Europe, so mm-hmm. I British royalty I have no opinion on. Steely, positive or negative, you could not convince me to care. Period about British royalty. So rest in peace to the Queen. That's right. That's it's my all... only comment of the day. Mm-hmm. I will say I, I do kind of still like the uh, the British royalty. I don't know; it just fascinates me a little bit. Now, I, you know, it's not like I watched uh, uh, Charles and Diana's wedding or anything. I'm not that infatuated with it, but at the same time, I I don't know; it's just different. And uh, Downton Abbey was a fine series. If you haven't streamed it yet, you should. You should. Really good. Okay, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Several listeners have pointed out that this weekend represents the Pat Fields revenge game. One listener says, let's not forget Pat Fields is at Stanford. So all the more reason that Stanford has to beat the brakes off Tebow. How about a Pat Pat Fields pick six to seal the game? Oh, wouldn't that be poetic justice of the highest order? That Uh, would, yes. Oh, please. Another listener says, 
F U Mule Shoe has a nice ring to it. So maybe that can be the chant at Owen Field on Saturday night if Stanford starts to pull away from USC. Uh, another listener asks, is it possible Dave Aranda kicked that late field goal because he knew Mule Shoe was a weasel? Yes. Yes. And it, you know what was interesting? Mule Shoe went ballistic over there on the sidelines in that game. Guess where he didn't go ballistic? Stillwater. Yeah, when Trayvon West Last got play, mugged you know, at the yes. pylon. I, I mean, the Sooners probably win the game there, right? Yes. If they get that call. And Mule Shoe, all he's thinking about is getting in his black SUV and getting ready to negotiate a deal. But, oh, yeah, I forgot. It was a two-hour conversation when he woke up Sunday morning. That's how it all went down. All right, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here. One listener says, Parker, I know you need a new car, but please don't start in OnlyFans. I know you're desperate, but resist temptation. Listen, there is no desperation here. I love my vehicle, my 2001 Ford Taurus. Uh, It's the only car I've ever owned. It has served me well for years and years and years, and it just keeps driving, just keeps chugging. It'll die one of these days, but that day is not today. Knock on wood. Hopefully that day is not today because I'm driving to Dallas later. So we'll see about it. Um, one listener, I thought you told me you were going to start a GoFundMe for a new vehicle. Did I tell you that? No. No, absolutely Yeah, I thought listen, you did. Listen, I am riding oh, okay. that Taurus into the ground. I'm not going to replace it until I absolutely have to replace it. I almost absolutely had to replace it a couple months back. But it survived. Here we are. It's still rolling. Another listener on the text line. What, uh, what, lasts, what lasts longer, by the way, Tom Brady's career in the NFL or that vehicle? Ooh, that's interesting. We need to, we need to have a prop bet on the table. Tom Brady or the Taurus, who lasts longer? Uh, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Stanford owes me, and I expect restitution this Saturday. I was pushed down the stairs in the south end zone by an angry Stanford fan. So Stanford, make it right. September 27th, 1980, at Norman, Stanford 31, Oklahoma 14. John Elway threw for 237 yards and three touchdowns as Stanford upset number four Oklahoma on a rain-soaked afternoon at Owen Field. Oh, sorry, he was pushed down the stairs by an angry OU fan, not an angry Stanford fan. I oh, okay, that. yeah. I was going to say, why was the Stanford fan angry? They won. Yeah, I remember that day. Uh, didn't go to the game that day. I was, well, let's see, that was 19, so I would have been 15, I guess, at the time. Um, 14. I remember I was listening to that game on the radio, and uh, I can still remember how overcast. It was kind of a drizzly. It wasn't a real hard rain, but John Elway had himself a day. No doubt. One listener says if you could sneak into the Texas booth at their game versus Alabama and switch the entrance music for the horns, what song are you playing? <laughs> and no, Steely, you're not allowed to say the 8-bit Texas fight. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. we got to get out of this place maybe by the animals version. Um, that is a really good question 
That's really good. We should get some more uh, responses to that in the text line. I like that question. That was good. One you have listener, one, Parker, in mind? Uh, uh, no, I'd have to give that some more thought. Now, listen, you get uh, as you know, Steely, if you give me the length Loser of, by Beck. If you give me the length of a commercial break, i.e. four minutes, to come up with mm-hmm. the perfect intro uh, song. There you go. Then I can usually do it. So give me the length of a commercial break, and I'll see what I can come up with. Uh, back to the text line, one listener in the 918 says, Rumors are that Peyton Bowen is visiting the Aggies next weekend. Seems this won't be the weekend the Sooners gain his commitment. What say you, PT? I say we'll see. We'll see if that A&M visit ends up happening because I know that the Sooners are going to make a hard push this weekend to get Peyton Bowen to shut this thing down for good. Whether that is successful or not, that is not at my discretion, nor is it my place to speculate. But I do know that there is going to be a concerted effort to make sure that Peyton Bowen does not get down to College Station next week. Yes, that would be a good strategy for the Sooners. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens. Peyton Bowen, we know, is going to be in Norman this weekend, though. And uh, Jackson Arnold is going to be on the pregame show with Parker over at the Hertz Donuts parking lot area on Campus Corner. Uh, They'll start at noon. We'll also be at Balfour. Uh, you know, both places, Balfour, great, great. I can't ever get out of there without spending some money because there's so much cool Sooner stuff in there. So stop by and see us on a Saturday down on Campus Corner in Norman. Break time right here. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, for sponsoring our second hour. We're going to come right back. T.J. Eckert, KTL-TV in Tulsa will join us. On the uh, Riverwind Casino jackpot line, a little uh, a little bulletin board material for Jinx Union for tomorrow night. We'll get into that and a lot of college football neck. All right, there you go. Great join back right there. Mike Steely here at the uh, Cleveland County Free Fair. Come on out and see us, 615 East Robinson Street. It's free, a lot of activities out here. Again, and uh, no admission, the Cleveland County Free Fair. Fair. Joining us on the Riverwing Casino jackpot line, T.J. Eckerts, KTUL-TV in uh, Tulsa. And, T.J., we got a little uh, bulletin board stuff for Jinx Union tomorrow night. Uh, for those who haven't read Bill Haston's story in the Tulsa world, fill everybody in on what's going on there. As if Union Jinx needed more bulletin board material, Bill Haston put out just a fantastic article in the Tulsa world uh, earlier, I guess it was yesterday now, so the, the backstory: Shaker Reisig, of course, transferring from Jinx to Union as a sophomore, won state title as a freshman there at Jinx, and uh, we never really got the reason. We never really heard what Shaker's reasoning was, what his family's reasoning was. We just heard that he moved into Union's district. He was at Jinx's seven-on-seven on seven one night, and then the very next day he was at Union's passing league. So we had no idea what happened. Well, Bill found out, talked to Shaker's dad, and. Let's just say Shaker's dad did not hold any, back any punches. Uh, he called Jinx a good old boy program. Uh, he said there was a lot of stuff with assist Mike. Um, he said that he didn't like the fact that his son didn't get to wear the coveted number nine that the Jinx starting quarterbacks wear and said he was wearing number 10. 
Let's remember, Shaker didn't start the season as a quarterback last season. He was a back of the high villains that came in during the Eugene game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Shaker's dad did not, did not leave amicably with uh, Jinx. And so I would imagine you'll see that article posted around the locker room, Jinx High School, before we head to tomorrow night's backyard bowl. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. And the uh, the high school football scene in Tulsa never gets any less interesting. And, of course, <laughs> we talk often about how uh, the east side seems to be where the premier football in the state of Oklahoma is played. I, uh, Travis Davidson loves to cite this statistic. I believe that the east side has won 23 of the last 26 6A state championships, something along those lines. Regardless, uh, should be another fantastic season ahead in the world of high school football up in the 918. But, TJ, as far as what's happening here in the 405, you were in attendance last Saturday as the Sooners opened the Brent Venables air with that 45-13 to victory over UTEP. Obviously not a game that you can put a whole lot of stock into one way or another, sure. but what stood out to you about the overall performance from the Sooners on Saturday? Man, Parker, you know, we, we saw it in the spring game, and we heard all about it in the offseason, so we knew it was coming, but the tempo of the OU offense is something we haven't seen in, gosh, I don't, I can't remember the last time we've seen the OU offense play that fast. I know Josh Heupel likes to play quick, and I know Kevin Wilson kind of started it, the, the no-huddle-up-tempo no stuff, but we haven't seen that speed in quite some time. Um, it, was, it was impressive to watch them operate at such a fast level and at a high level, too, uh, so that's really what stood out to me on the offensive side. Defensively, I think you and I may have even gone it a couple times on the sidelines, was uh, the, the tackling and the the gang tackling mentality that, that appeared to be the emphasis against UTEP. There were multiple hats around the ball pretty much at all times. And then, I, honestly, there was probably, at least with the starters in, maybe one or two significant missed tackles. Um, and that's something that, that was a nice, pleasant change to see. So... Love the tempo from the offense and love the gang tackling mentality from the defense. Yeah, it, didn't it just feel like a clean game? I, I've said solid, not spectacular, but there there was a lot to like, particularly Sooner fans who've been starved to see better defense. There were no re- receivers running behind the secondary. There was gang tackling. There was solid tackling in the open field. They didn't make every tackle, but they made a you know the vast majority of them. And I think. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, again, it's UTEP, but there was uh, there was a lot to like there, I thought. What did you think? Yeah, I think, you know, we, it was UTEP. We were, were very clear on that, that, you know, this is they're not playing a playoff caliber opponent by any stretch, but you can still gang tackle against UTEP. You know, I don't know if we saw that happen very much against Tulane last season or against any of the other non-conference opponents, and so – Gang tackling you can do against everybody, and it, it appeared that that was, that was an emphasis. And then Venables hit on something in the press, press conference that I thought might be a concern with the tempo of the offense. The defense is out there all the time now. Uh, I think there was only one drive in the first half for OU that lasted over two minutes long. And we're taxing, and he put that to bed pretty quick by saying, we're not making excuses. Our job is just to go out there and stop people. So uh, that is something that I would keep an eye on. If, if the offense does get into a little bit of a lull, and they're going three and out or not generating too many first downs, and their drives are only 55 seconds, a minute and 10 seconds, if they, if they keep stringing those together, it is taxing on a defense. And so uh, that was the only other thing that I would point out from the game that I'll, I'll be curious to see as it develops is how the defense responds to those short, quick drives from the offense. 
Initial impressions of Dylan Gabriel, TJ. Obviously, he left a few throws on the table, uh, missed a few that he'd probably like to have back, but on the whole, pretty solid opening act for the new Sooner starter. What did you think of his performance? thought he looked good. Still awkward seeing a left-handed quarterback. Um, that's something we'll have to adjust to as the season progresses, too. Um, but, yeah, I think, and I made the point maybe before the season started, is, is hopefully Sooner fans aren't going in with this idea of, it's another transfer quarterback. He's going to be just like the rest of them. Heisman contender, Heisman winner, number one draft pick. Like, that's kind of the, the bar that's been set, and that's just an unachievable bar. And so I'm hoping that the expectations were lowered going into that game because he certainly, in my opinion, the expectation I had going in, he played up to it just fine. Like you mentioned, there were some throws he missed. That's to be expected. Um, I thought he operated the offense at a, at a good tempo, obviously. That was, that was the key coming in. He made some good throws. And then he used his legs, which was impressive to see as well. I think they'll probably try to limit that as much as they can over the next week or two with Nebraska. I think they're going to try and save his legs as best they can. But it showed that he can be a weapon with those legs. And so, uh, yeah, I was, I was thoroughly pleased with the way that uh, Gabriel played in his debut. T.J. Eckerd with us. T.J., before we let you go, pick three games for us this weekend. Give me your impressions and your picks. All right, two in the Big 12, Bama at Texas. Baylor at BYU, and then give us your thoughts and a pick on USC at Stanford. Mm. Okay. Um, well, if we're just picking straight up, then I, I feel pretty confident with, with Bama beating Texas straight up. The line is interesting. I, don't, I would like to see Texas not cover. That would be my hope. Um, I think the, was the latest line 17. Parker, do you have it in front of you? Is that right? I do not have it in front of me. I'm not, I, I think it's round seven. Last I saw was up. Oh, did it drop back down? It had been up to 20, so uh, I I didn't check the line today. But, yeah, I I do know it got up to 20 at one point. I think think that sounds sounds more recent. So I would say I would would be surprised if Bama doesn't cover a three-touchdown favorite. Uh, That's kind of surprising to say. It's it's on the road, but I don't think Texas is that good, and I think Alabama is really good. So I'd pick Bama to cover that one. Baylor-BYU, very interesting. Uh, Obviously a future matchup in the Big 12. I I'll be curious to see how Baylor looks on the road against a pretty good BYU team. Um, I would like to think that Dave Aranda can have that defense ready to, to go to Utah and play well and win. Uh, but that's a tough non-conference early season road match up there um, for, for Baylor. So I, I would think that Baylor will be able to pull that one out, but I think it's going to be close, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if BYU wins. And then USC-Stanford, um, I'll be honest, couldn't care less. Um, I, I'm hoping I would love to see Stanford come out and punch USC in the mouth. Uh, with that physical offense, I'm not sure if they have the, the horses and the guys to do it. I know that's what they like to do. So, And we've seen those types of offenses give Lincoln-Riley teams fit. Um, so that would be interesting to see if Stanford can do that as well. But I, I would expect Stanford, uh, USC to still uh, play well and win that game. USC a nine-point favorite. Uh, BYU, interesting quarterback uh, matchup between Jaron Hall of the Cougars and uh, Blake Chapin. Mm-hmm of uh, Baylor, and Baylor rolled Albany, the Great Danes, in their first game. So uh, that, that'll be an interesting game. The good, the good news about that game, Baylor and BYU kick at 9-15 Saturday night. So if you mm. want to go well after midnight with a little college football, you've got that with Baylor at BYU. <laughs> TJ, always appreciate you, my man. Thank you so much. We'll have you on again soon. You bet, Steely. Parker, thanks, guys. 
T.J. Eckert, KTUL-TV in Tulsa. All right, we'll break right here. Mike Steely at the Cleveland County Free Fair. you got Parker back in the Brown O'Haver Studios today. We'll get to as many texts as we can in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. When we get back, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Coming right back here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Okay, back with you, closing it out here on a Thursday. Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Rep Radio Network, locked in, coming up with Parker and Tyler McComas. Here in uh, just a bit at the Cleveland County Free Fair, 615 East Robinson, John Arnold Band will have a, a show for you tonight on the main stage, 7 to 9.30. They've got uh, great musical acts happening uh, tonight, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They've got a petting zoo. They have the wiener dog races on Sunday. Livestock exhibits out here. All kinds of great food vendors, uh, ice cream vendors out here, too. It's uh, still a little bit... Uh, a little bit uh, sunny and hot out there, but they've got things to cool you down. And again, tonight it's going to uh, be cooling down quite a bit. But uh, the John Arnold Band will have some great music tonight uh, from 7 to 9.30 here at the Cleveland County Free Fair. Okay, uh, let's get in as many texts as we can, Parker, before we get out of here and make way for Locked In. What do we have on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? Mike in Weatherford says, My grandma has a 2003 Taurus with only 20,000 miles on it. She can't drive anymore, so we drive it once or twice a month. We can hook you up when that 2001 dies. Yes, Mike, I will I, listen. I will 1,000% take you up on that because there my you go. Car, listen, my car was a grandma car originally as well. Bought it used in 2015 with something like 45,000 miles on it, and since then I've put close to 140k on it by myself. So. It's seen a lot more action in the last seven years than it did in its first 14 years of existence. But yes, Mike, if that's a legit offer, let's talk business sometime because uh, I I am a Taurus guy through and through. And I actually joked with my family uh, when it looked like my car was dead for good a couple months back that I was just going to upgrade to a nicer, newer Taurus. But yes, listen, I'm interested, Mike. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch. I love it. There you go. Yeah, you got it. I think you're going to have to continue the tourist tradition. I think that's uh, the the route to go. Back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, would love to see the Stanford tree plant the flag after they stomp Lincoln. That's one of the most. That's oh, one of the gosh. most interesting yes. and funniest mascots in all of college football. The Stanford tree. What does it have a name? It is. What is it called? It probably does. I don't know. But, you know, the the students out there, they're very creative. The Stanford band's great, too. I remember when Stanford came to play in Norman and at a Norman High School football game, they played halftime, the Stanford band. And it was the Stanford band presents a halftime tribute to fresh fruits and vegetables. And (laughs) they were all dressed as either a fruit or a vegetable with the instruments. And it was great. So, yes, that would be awesome. Uh, to see the tree celebrate. Wow. The, the tree should just make a, a beeline for Lincoln Riley and just dive straight into him. Yeah, go, go, where, go where Uncle couldn't. Um, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here. Shane in Newcastle says, Mule Shoe has been selling farts in jars to make up for the terrible property taxes. 
The thing is, USC fans would probably buy those <laughs> with as much as they worship Mule oh Shoe. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, please. I, I don't know. What would I sacrifice for a Stanford victory? What would you sacrifice? I'm curious. How far would you I go? I don't know. That's a to very ensure that Mule good Shoe question. I'm going to have to think about that and try and answer it tomorrow. Maybe there's something I can give up. And uh, that might help ensure a Stanford victory. Uh, we have some suggestions as to what the entrance music for Texas would be if you could break into the stadium and change it. One listener says Dancing okay. Queen. Another says <laughs> Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. Another says After the game right, is over and Texas has been destroyed, then play Bad Day by Daniel Powder. <laughs> oh, I like it. man. What's more likely, asks this listener, Stanford pulling the upset despite Pat Fields anchoring the secondary or Texas covering? Listen, there will be no Pat Fields slander on this Air Comfort Solutions text line. None whatsoever. I hope Stanford pulls the upset over Muleshoe, and I hope Pat Fields has quite a hand in it. He was an outstanding representative of the university. Yeah, a pretty dang good defensive back during his four years in Norman. Yeah, a class act, no doubt. Smart kid, obviously, and it's kind of cool that he decided to go ahead and continue with his football career uh, out at Stanford. That's uh, that's impressive. He he was super bright, very articulate, and uh, a really good kid. So, and he needs to get the game clinching pick six against Muleshoe. Pat Fields is probably too classy, but if it was like a seventy-five yarder and he could point right Muleshoe's face. On the way down the sideline, that would be even better. Another listener says, girls just want to have fun. Another (laughs) says, I'm a Barbie girl. Another simply says, circus music. Yeah, I like that. Uh, In the 918, a listener asks, if Texas, by some act of Congress, pulls this off, what's the story if we go down to Dallas and win at the Cotton Bowl? Listen, listener. There is no circumstance in which Texas pulls this off. There is going to be bloodshed on Saturday. Bevo better be even more sedated than usual because no one wearing burnt orange is going to want to watch what will ensue at Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium. Now, what are you willing to do if Texas wins? You've got – you're so confident now. I mean, you are – you are – a hundred percent confident. Are you willing to humiliate yourself in some fashion if Texas somehow wins? Yes, of course. But listen, Steely. Yes, I'm a hundred percent confident. We're talking about Alabama. Alabama mm-hmm. has lost to two unranked teams in the entirety of the Nick Saban era, which spans 15 years at this point. David from Norman says in the text line that his song of choice would be "Send in the Clowns." <laughs> Uh, the chairman of the board, that'd be great. By the way, who do you think gets drugged up more, Bevo or Ralphie the Buffalo? Because Ralphie is running out there like he has had, you know, like 50 gallons of Red Bull, at least in the pregame. They probably have to sedate him rather quickly. Bevo looks like he's listening to Dark Side of the Moon, uh, you know, down there in the end zone of the Cotton Bowl all the time. Okay, got to get out of here. Cleveland County 
Free Fair, thank you. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Allo Group in Paul's Valley, and thank you to all the good folks over there at Riverwing Casino. We appreciate you. We're going to get locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas coming up next. Have a great Thursday.